and welcome. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> welcome to Historical Mysterious with Ian and Jay. Thank you. Hi. Hello. <laughs> I'm Ian. And I'm Jay. And welcome. <laughs> uh, so how's your week been going? Uh, good. My week has been going good. Good. Um, I pretty much have been trying to get things done. Uh, I start my new job tomorrow. Nice. Working with old people. Uh, yes. But I've done it before, so I can do it again. Exactly. And I know how to handle them. You know, they're... Handle them. Yeah. If they're getting too out of line, you know. <laughs> well, Wait no, a- not <laughs> in that way. It's not even if they're getting out of line. It's kind of more like, like just... If they, you know, like, and you're like, okay, thank you so much. (laughs) I thought Ethel was a dog dog. And then that's all you do. You give them their food. And then, I mean, because you can't really do anything else when you're in diet. You can hang out with them. You can't. Well, I mean, yeah, you could. Yeah. Make some new friends. Bring them over. (laughs) Do you want that, Jay? I mean, I'm looking for some new friends. Mm. We can play a Scrabble. And watch Murder, She Wrote, and be in bed by nine. I really don't. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Well, no, um, I start my new job tomorrow. Uh, I, oh, also, my friend. Okay, so my best friend in the world, Chandel, she apparently had a conversation with me, or I had a conversation with her a while back about her bringing... Oh my! That's Hi, a, hello. That's a helicopter. Hi. Yeah, that's no, a plane. The, the raids are coming over. We're, we're getting Korea attacked. Is doing it now. <laughs> it's happening. Oh my god! It's happening live. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Right. Anyway, <laughs> um, but she, uh, apparently we had a conversation a while back about um, a sound system I, coming yeah. from Spokane. I I don't know. Oh, and then today, literally, yeah. Half an hour before we started recording, just she's like, off. hey, I got that sound system we talked about, and I answered, <laughs> I think maybe I was high or drinking at the time or something, and, you're... um, <laughs> and you're because, just like, what? Uh, you know, because when she said that today, I, I got that, I read that text today, I was like, oh, uh, yeah, okay, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Uh, bring it on yeah, over. For sure. Yeah, for sure. And there's, there's literally, I'm looking at them right now, a set it's... of tall speakers. And I know that behind the couch that I'm looking at right now, there's a box that has uh, smaller speakers, a woofer, um, a, 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 a wide speaker that's supposed to go like under the TV. It's a legit sound system. Um, like surround yeah, sound and everything. No, for sure. Except it doesn't have the remote or the main controller box. Yeah. But other than that, it has I think everything. we can make it work. But I don't know. I, don't, um, I haven't put a sound system together. And I together. don't. Remember talking yeah. about this at all? <laughs> I don't. I, I really don't. And I feel like, like this is a big I thing have, that you should remember. Like, exactly. A sound and system. I was like, well, maybe I need to put my life in review as far as <laughs> uh, you know, vices go. Because yeah. I don't. What? I, I thank you. <laughs> okay, I mean, it's a good gift. Sure, sure. You can't say no to a We're sound system at your door. You asked for over. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah. All right. And the fun part is going to get putting this uh, thing together because I'm not right. handy at all. I need to quit drinking, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Jesus. All right. How was your week, Jay? It was a very eventful week. Usually, most weeks we do these. I'm just kind of like, yeah, you know what? I uh, went to work, uh, played some video games, and then uh, that's it. But today, I mean, this week, I burned my hand, second degree burns. Oh, yeah, that's right. At okay, work. So, to, oh my god, it was the hugest fucking blister. <laughs> uh, it was a. Uh, 
I was at work. It was a busy time. I basically kind of slipped on the mat and I was falling toward the grill. Uh, I put my hand out to kind of block the fall or else it would be my face. And so I ended up, it was like a split second, but I ended up like really fucking up my hand. And so I ended up having to leave early. You borrowed my car because it was the one day you borrowed my car. I borrowed your car for a date. date. Yeah. And it was the one time this has ever happened because it's very rare that you borrowed my car. I I picked up a guy in Moscow, the next town over about eight miles away. And then I brought him back to our place to like watch Netflix and chill chill a little bit anyway. (laughs) And then (laughs) you would answer the phone. So I was like, I can't stick around in this restaurant. I need to go to the nearest place that has running water. Luckily for me, that was a bar. So I run into yeah. the bar, put my hand under cold water, wrap it up, get a free shot from him. God bless this lady. Just came in clutch, and I just waited for you to come by, and yeah, <laughs> and I drove out. by, and he, yeah, no, I drove up. He was in shotgun. I was driving. <laughs> I was like, hey, can you get in the back seat? <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, yeah, injured. sure, no, yeah, totally. Because the way you called, because you called me over the phone, and you were like, hey, can you come pick me up? It's an emergency. I'm like, oh shit, yeah, yeah sure, totally. <laughs> I'm on my, oh fuck, and you know, he heard me, and I was like, oh yeah, let's go. I'm sorry, blah blah blah, and. <laughs> <laughs> and then he got in the back seat. You came up and you sat in shotgun, and then I drove you to the hospital. Yep. And then it took you what three hours? <laughs> two hours, two and a half, maybe two. Oh, two and a half. Two, two in total, I maybe? maybe. I don't know. Seven hours. They they gave me morphine. I was chilling. Yeah, no, you I was were, I was you fine. were high on morphine, so I was. You you thought it was twenty minutes? Yeah, and right. It was twelve hours. <laughs> anyway, it was an overnight overnight stay. Actually, um, <laughs> you were in a hospital. Guys. Yes, I, like, I, I walked <laughs> home with your ass bare. Would it uh, be the first time? Uh, <laughs> uh, no. Uh, and then later th- that this week, I got my car. I had a, had a massage because I like to get massage at least once a month because ah, uh, feels it, great. Wait, wait, a massage or a massage? A regular God God fearing massage. God fearing. There is Bible distance so between no me and the masseuse the entire time. Wait, other a, than hands, it was a God fearing ending, not a happy ending. <laughs> it was a God fearing ending. As we went home and we prayed. All right, so you were relaxed instead of relieved. <laughs> Got, Got it. it. Got it. Thank you so and much. So I walked out with my relaxed self to only be all tensed up again when I found out my car was hit. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. Uh, some, oh shit! Some, some girl backed up, hit it, and drove off. And some wait. Like a hit and run? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, she ended up, uh... <laughs> I just, like... <laughs> I like her. You just know the story, but, yeah, I mean, for, for purposes. For listening purposes. But this is so great. <laughs> what do you mean? Because, like, I bitched, about you, I, bet I bitched about this to you about 14 times this week. <laughs> I know. But I have literally blocked it out. So, tell me on the show again, please. It was within the same time where Shandell will give you that loaf, or... That uh, thing, that right? Too yeah. that loaf. <laughs> you know what I mean—the loafer, the speakers. <laughs> oh my god! I, part of me just feels like you just lose a day sometimes. Do you? Have you ever thought that? Where you're just like, "Did I lose a day? <laughs> I lose a day. I lose a day every week, Jay. You know this about me. Like it's come on. <laughs> but uh, long story. I've been abducted every week by something. Some unknown force. Apparently, my own neuroses are aliens. I don't care. But God, I hope it's, it's aliens. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway go on but yeah and so that's pretty much it now i'm just dealing with insurance and i'm 22 yeah, so this is my first time and dealing wait, with insurance. no i'm sorry no okay so tell the listeners how many days have you been dealing with this fucking insurance now like about over uh well let's see i got hit 
when was it? Like Monday, I a guess. A few days ago. Yeah, it was. It was Wait, at least a Monday. Week. It was at least like a it, week. it was over a week, and I've con- the, the lady have con- has contacted me twice. Actually, well, twice, you contacted yeah. her. I contacted twice. her several times, and she's this lady's ghosting me. I feel I never feel she's like I'm getting insurance. An insurance lady by an insurance no, lady. No, I'm sorry. No, I want Flo to do that on a progressive <laughs> right? commercial. I want her to ghost a customer somehow. <laughs> right? Like, oh, she just she just isn't like and She's like, oh no. Insurance yet ghosting a customer at the same. She's time. She's like, it was fun, be but no thanks. Be like, hey, I'm glad you signed up, but. You know, I've moved on. I know there's other there's other people out there that I have to cover. You know, and that's and, exactly what's going on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting ghosted <laughs> by this lady, and she's so good oh. at it. Damn. But uh, yeah, so it's it's coming along, and I don't know what'll happen. But they they covered some of it. Yay. Well, well I mean, great. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's not over a thousand. Uh, but yeah, that's my week. Well, awesome. Well, yeah. As another episode of Historical Mysterious, and as uh, we all know, this week it's my turn to be history, and yes. history's first. So, this buckle week, up. buckle up, motherfuckers, because there's like ar- many article and a documentary and uh, whatever encyclopedia, this, probably this, a Wikipedia page, yeah. and blah, blah blah, everything about this. A song, the uh, New York City blackout of 1977. Spooky. Even though, I mean, not really spooky as much crime. as terrifying <laughs> in, in a lot of places. Yes. Or or fun in some, but we'll go over that. Ooh, anyway, I was... so I have notes written down as well as stuff on my laptop because I couldn't put everything together because I'm you. lazy. Anyway, <laughs> um, so the New York City blackout of 1977, which was a very uh, tumultuous event in history, in modern history, because... There was a lot of, uh, well, okay, so funny side note before I get started on this, I was chatting on Facebook Messenger with my mom about this, and my mom, uh, uh, funny enough, was graduated high school in 1978, but she uh, started her senior year in 1977, and she was a part of her theater group in high school, and a lot of theater groups, at least in my high school, as well as hers, apparently, back in the day, so I imagine a lot of high schools do this thing where, like, they gather funds at the end of the year, senior class, and okay. then they take a trip to New York City, the, oh, the hub of the theater yeah. place and stuff, and they see plays what? on Broadway, and they do the theater thing and whatever, and that that's their senior trip. That's an awesome trip. As the Yeah, exactly. My, my high school did it. I didn't get to go, but that's a whole other story. We went story. to Disneyland. Anyway, <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> But my mother had a similar type of trip where she went to New York. Well, she went this, uh, the winter of 1977. And the winter of 1977 was after the blackout because the blackout was during the heat of the summer yep. of 77. So, uh, but people were still talking about it. And she talked about how other people had mentioned it and people were still, still... something like that might still happen, yeah. especially during winter. So anyway... Oh, could you imagine? That was... Oh, um, winter would be the worst. Well, because also the main thing was people not only lost electricity, but they also lost water. Yeah. Anyway, but that's details for the story. But anyway, that's just an anecdote from my mother. And that it was is like, cool. That's and they're still talking about it. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah, no. Uh, it was uh, fascinating when she talked about it. Because it's like... You it's know, a you pretty jolting thing. someone who was yeah. there. You know, even if they didn't live there, it was someone who was there in the vicinity. Exactly. The in the- anyway. So... 
okay, so I'm just going to give a brief overview, a very technical one of the blackout like and what caused repercussions, it and, and then I'm going to go into a more social aspect of it and it. how it affected the city in a more dramatic way. So, uh, the New York City blackout of 1977 was an electricity blackout that affected most of New York City on July 13th and 14th of 1977. Uh, the only neighborhoods in the city that were not affected were in the, uh, were in southern Queens, uh, the neighborhoods of the Rockaways, uh, which were part of the Long Island Lighting Company system, and the Pratt Institute campus in Brooklyn, which were operated in their own district power generator. Oh, power of tuition. Sure. Yeah, that too. No, that definitely kept the lights on. Oh, for sure. Um, but that basically, they were on their own in, were, independent yeah. system, so they were fine. They are independent, uh, Unlike strong. other blackouts that affected the region, namely the Northeast blackouts of 1965, which we're going to discuss that later, and 2003, which I'll mention afterwards, but is not a huge one. Yeah. At least in my Wait, research. how many days did this one last? Sorry, I know you uh, said it. It started in the evening and it lasted until late the next evening. So basically, twenty-four hours to maybe okay. thirty hours at most, huh. you know, depending on what neighborhood. You yeah. Live in. Um. Anyway, uh, the 1977 blackout was localized to New York City and the immediate surroundings. Also, in contrast to the 1965 and 2003 blackouts, the 1977 blackout resulted in citywide looting and other disorders, including arson. Oh, good. <laughs> no, it was very scary. Yeah, in no, most I bet. Places. And then there were, yeah. Uh, the events leading up to the blackout began at 8.37 p.m. And, uh, wow, P.M.? P.M.? Something's on your mind. <laughs> Shut your fucking mouth, Jay. <laughs> so you went on My date this week, and yet you're still not satisfied. <laughs> oh, shout out to Mama Stanfield. <laughs> God damn it, Jay. All right. <laughs> All right. Okay, so the events leading to the penis. No. <laughs> uh, the events leading up to the blackout began at 8:37 p.m. God, uh. Eastern Standard Time on uh, Wednesday, July 13th, with a lightning strike at Buchanan South, a substation, uh, and this is in a uh, Westchester County. Okay. It all started with a lightning strike in Westchester County uh, and on the Hudson River, tripping two circuit breakers in Buchanan, New York. The Buchanan South substation converted the 345,000 volts of electricity from Indian Point to lower voltage for commercial use. A loose locking nut combined with a slow-acting upgrade cycle prevented the breaker from reclosing and allowing, allowing power to flow again. A second lightning strike. A second lightning strike. Wow. So it's like, God's like, listen, people. Fuck you, New York. You're, you're done for the day. <laughs> Let's out. <laughs> a second lightning strike caused the loss of two 345 kV transmission lines, subsequent, uh, subsequent reclose of only one of the lines, and the loss of power from 900 megawatt nuclear plant at Indian Point. As a result of strikes, two other transmission lines uh, became loaded over their normal limits. Per procedure, Consolidated Edison, the power provider for New York City and some of Westchester County, tried to start fast start generation at 8.45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. However, no one uh, manning the station and the remote start failed. Oh, wow. So no one was there to stop it immediately yeah. when it happened. Um, and then at 8.55 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, there was another lightning strike. So a third... Jesus Christ. Okay, so another third? lightning strike. Wow. The Springbrook, su 
Springbrook substation at Yonkers, which took out two additional critical transmission lines. Uh, as before, only one of the lines was automatically returned to service. This outage of lines from the substation caused the remaining lines to exceed the long-term operating limits of their capacity. After this last failure, Con Edison had to manually reduce the loading on another local generator at their East River facility due to the problems at the plant. This made an already dire situation even worse. At 9.14 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, over 30 minutes from the initial event, New York power pool operators in Gilderland called Con Edison operators to, quote, shed load in response. Con Ed operators uh, initiated first a 5% system-wide voltage reduction and then an 8% reduction. These steps had to be completed subsequently uh, sequentially and took many minutes. These steps were done in accordance with Con Edison's use of the words, quote, shed low, while the power pool operators had in mind opening feeders to immediately drop about 1,500 megawatts of load, not reduce voltage to reduce load a few hundred megawatts. Okay, that's a lot of, okay. So. A lot going on. And then, yeah, so, and then there's a whole bunch of this stuff. Scientific electricity yeah, terms. and a, a whole bunch of electrical stuff. And, I, yeah, there's about four more steps, and I'm not going to Like, if you can do, put that to, like, light bulbs or like, something, yeah. I would understand. <laughs> well, okay, so basically what was going on was uh, there were a few lightning strikes in critical places, okay. and it took a whole bunch of lines out. Well, when you take these lines out, it puts more electrical strain on other lines. Got because it. those lines are the only ones now to supply to the entire area. I see. And when you strain on those lines, it they really is hard. And it gets to the point with further lightning strikes and blackouts or malfunctions that, you know, be like, we have to turn some power off. Yeah. If you don't turn some power off, you're going to lose the whole the thing. The whole thing, yep. And wow. so they started turning places off. And it, it, I mentioned it. Now, now I'm going to my paper notes. And uh, this is mainly notes from online articles as well as a uh, NBC documentary. It was a documentary. Well, I don't know it was NBC exactly, but it was a documentary called American Experience Blackout. Ah. And it was about the blackout of 77. Okay. And so it's I have Netflix notes from... Or anything? Uh, no, I don't think it's on For, Netflix. I'm not uh, sure. Okay. I don't think it is. I looked it up on YouTube. I see. Got it. Um, anyway, so... Uh, but there was a, an experience at the very beginning of the documentary that I thought was very interesting in contrast, and it, it basically was the experience of how these lines were overloaded and one by one they shut off. Because in the World Trade Center, when it was still standing yeah. in the 70s, which it was in you know the heyday of that, they oh, had just yeah. been finished, and you know there was a restaurant and uh it was called uh rural rest and the restaurant which was high up in the world trade center literally you know you saw the whole city below you planes were flying below you wow yeah, yeah. and it was it was glamorous and as everybody knows 9 30 at dinner time is crunch time as it says in the documentary. Uh, and you know it's when everybody was doing everything it was at its busiest time and everybody was coming in for their reservations and blah blah, blah and it was glamorous and everything and all of a sudden um you know and meanwhile this place you know planes from like you could see 90 miles out uh, all of a sudden uh brooklyn just disappears <sighs> Could you imagine that site? You know, an, oh an entire gosh. area of New York City just gone. Then Queens, psh, gone. Uh, and then Manhattan, 
you know, which, you know, the Twin Towers at the time were in Manhattan. Yeah. And then when Manhattan goes, that means not only is this whole area, but you as well, gone. You know, and you don't yeah, know what's happening. And this is in the middle on. of a heat wave. In 1977, this is in the summer, we're in July 13th. So Oof, this, it's in the heat middle wave. of it's it, extremely yeah. hot. And you're high up in this building. Oh, my gosh. Rises, so yeah. it's already so hot. Oh. Um. So anyway, and then, you know, there's – and watching this documentary, there's footage because it, it goes out. It's still it's still light enough out in the yeah. streets that you can see and stuff. And there's, like, kids opening fire hydrants. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, must have been so nice in 1977 to just be opening fire hydrants How did and they not do they just have get any wrench? consequences. Right? Because here's the thing. You – that I'm sorry. Is that not a crime <laughs> today to just open a fire hydrant? In like Spike Lee's movie, Do the Right Thing, they were doing that too during the heat wave. I'm They're like sure opening like fire hydrants. I can't remember his name, but I'm pretty sure there was a comedian. Um, the, he had a joke about that, and it goes something like, um, "Oh, uh, he talked about how his father said something like, uh, oh, you know, it's hot. You know, why don't you go out in the sun and like uh, open a fire hydrant?' Oh. And you know, and he had the, his joke was like, um. Oh, you know, oh, what you and your friends called fun in the sun back in the day is now called a felony. <laughs> That's <the laughs> and it's like when I was watching right when I was watching this documentary, I had that moment and I was like, Oh, these yeah, kids need I'll to just, be arrested. Let's just do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so there was a huge heat wave and stuff. Um, around 6 p.m., uh, a massive storm blew in. You know, that's when all the lightning strikes started taking place and everything. Um, and then, uh, blah, 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 due to lines. Uh, oh, also, pa- all, another reason why the lines were so overloaded with electricity is because of this massive heat wave and because of the advent of air conditioning in yeah. 1977. Everybody in New York was using their air conditioners. Oh. So there was an additional strain more than usual oh, at this wow. point yeah. in the year on the power everyone's lines. Using so extra. it's like, you know, oh, can everybody shut off? You know, and no, but that's no. not something that would have been known or yeah, said. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and other such additional things as well. Uh, electrically speaking, I guess. Um, and... Oh, uh, there were also instances when the lights started going out, like when you would be at a park in the city, like Central Park oh. or other parks in the city in that area. Yeah. You know, you would see street lights just go out one by one. Ooh, you know, can you imagine be, being in the park by yourself very or something eerie. in the dark? Yeah, oh. it'd be cool. I mean, it'd be cool it'd be, and eerie. I would be freaking out because if the lights were gradually Because in the documentary, there were out. also these... Uh, he, there were these people they interviewed that used to be like, I guess, you know, kids in the street that were playing soccer or whatever, or volleyball or whatever. And, um, you know, you would be able to play at night because of all the street lights. Well, you know, all the street lights went out one by one and it's like, oh, shit. Yeah. You can't do anything. Um, and then also uh, in the World Trade Center was a prime example. So there's a cultural difference here. There's cultural shock. Um but we'll get to that in a bit because Blackout provided Mayor A. Beam. Mayor A. Beam was um, Beam was the mayor at the time, and basically, this I think was kind of used as an opportunity to regain control as much as you could throughout the situation. Yeah, um, and nobody really knew for sure whether or not he knew what was going on or how to handle the situation exactly but they kept it that way on purpose and uh 
basically Mayor A. Beam spoke during the blackout and um, about what citizens were up against during the blackout and what yeah. the cost would be. He said, We've seen our citizens subjected to violence, vandalism, theft, and discomfort. The blackout has threatened our safety and has seriously impacted our economy. We've been needlessly subjected to a night of terror in many communities and have been wantonly looted and burned. The costs, when finally told, uh, tallied, will be enormous. Wow. You just, uh, I can't imagine being in that situation. Yeah. So, basically, just to tally everything up from that quote, uh, in all, uh, 1,616 stores were damaged in looting and rioting. A total of 1,037 fires were responded to, including 14 multiple alarm fires. In the largest mass arrest in city history, 3,776 people were arrested. Yes. What? Oh, almost 4,000 people. And this is within a day? Within a span of 24 hours? Yes. Apparently. Uh, many had to be stuffed into overcrowded cells, precinct basements, and other makeshift holding pens. A congressional study estimated that the cost of damages amounted to a little over $300 million. My goodness. That's a... Tw- oh my gosh. A lot can happen within 24 yeah. hours, too. Now, listen to this. Hold on. Despite the massive looting and violence that accompanied it, uh, only one homicide occurred. Oh, wow. One murder. Yeah. Uh, Dominic Siscone, I'm assuming that's how you say his name, Siscone. Sounds right. Dominic Siscone, a Brooklyn teenager and aspiring mobster, was shot on Smith Street in Carroll Gardens while in the company of some friends. Uh, He died at the scene. Police investigated uh, investigated several people in the neighborhood with whom he had ongoing disputes, uh, but never identified any suspects. In 1997, they received some more tips from individuals who did not who did not identify themselves, excuse me, uh, but whom they believe genuinely might know who committed the crime. Uh, They did not respond to the pleas who identified themselves. As of 2017, this year, as in, uh, the killing remains unsolved. (sighs) But I mean, it's probably going to remain unsolved. Yeah, I mean, I. This point. A teenager who's an who's an aspiring mobster already. Yeah. No matter what color creed or whatever the fuck. Yeah. You were an aspiring mobster. They're I mean, they're probably not gonna take a high priority. Yeah. yeah. If he was, but that's what was reported. Exactly. We don't know if yeah. that's. I mean, that's the sad part. Anyway. <laughs> so, um, blah, blah, blah. there's other like damage. Statistics. Any assaults? Like there, I assume there was a good amount of oh, assaults a lot and of everything. Assault. Oh, yeah. yeah I'm okay. Sure, yeah. Just in general. Um, but anyway, uh, but pretty much immediately, you know, at first there was a certain amount of order, uh-huh. you know, and there were volunteers as well as police that would like help direct people in traffic and, you know, everything like that. Um, and then, um, people, uh, people at the restaurant, like meanwhile, people like in high end areas and at the restaurant and the trade center, you know, they were like. You know, taking their dinner jackets off and opening champagne, and they're like uh, lighting candles. Oh wow! They embraced light, it. Which, if you light light it's candles, get, oh, it's yeah. like it's it's already hot. It's like, gonna get even more. Hot. But it's like, but there was no light, and they were having champagne. And Just like, drink more. It's, it's fine. Like, break out the guitar, yeah. and they're having a fun. Oh my <laughs> god, this is fun! Do you guys know Kumbaya? <laughs> Meanwhile, down in the streets, there's fucking chaos. Oh my! God. It's like the purge. I'm not even kidding. Um. Anyway, so that's on that. Oh, it's front and oh, I did front and back. You did. Research. That's why I was very blown away. Oh goddamn! 
so oh okay so when the blackout happened of course hospitals took priority because of like things like you know medical life support respirators and stuff you know like we had to get people on generators and stuff before you know they died oh yeah um and other uh medical electrical equipment um and um okay so i thought this was funny in the documentary there was a quote saying looked like a cross between boris karloff movie and car 54 uh the black and white section from uh 1961 and 1963 oh okay which is basically my dating it okay so car 54 was a sitcom from 1961-63 which is basically like a show about cops and their cop car and stuff like car, it was like cop buddies white. exactly and then you know a boris karloff movie basically a black and white horror movie and stuff with that style uh-huh. and then so you put those two together and like so it made sense. it was uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh, you know as young people, we had to look up the references. Yes, yes, we did. We uh, so old much. references for old but people. But as soon as I looked them up, yes, I understood why they were funny. So yes, I get it. I'm not stupid. I'm just young. Thank you so. I'm still in my twenties. God damn it. Still. Uh, anyway. Uh. Okay. So oh, and also apparently because of this blackout, legend has it. Uh, that because of this blackout, birth spiked nine months later. Oh, I bet. Although I was unable to verify this I see. statistic through. But I can. Reason. I don't know. I mean. I mean, uh, I could see it being true, but I could also see it being like. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, they gotta um, keep And also, somehow. okay, so let's put this in contrast. Before I get to like the destruction and terror of this 1977 blackout, let's talk about the 1965 blackout. So there was a blackout in New York City in 1965. Got it. But it was completely different. It happened earlier in the day. All right. It was later in the year. It was colder. It wasn't a heat wave in the summer. It was like anywhere from let's see here, uh, forty three to forty eight degrees. Okay. So m- most everybody was already inside. Yeah. It happened at five thirty. Most shop owners were already they were at, still in their shops. Got it. So they were able to protect their stuff. Like, yeah. When they were closing up, it was colder. No, not a lot of people were out. How long um, did it last? And oh, oh, it lasted a while. You know, a long time, but. You know, people, there was an, a general attitude of helping each other. Like in yeah. the subways when everything went out, you know, you yeah. helped each other walk down the tunnels and you, you know, helped each other when it was cold, like get to stay warm and get to, you know, your places and stuff. Exactly. And there was just a general sense of community and helping each other and, you know, getting through it until, and, it, you know, it didn't last as long and the circumstances were just perfect to where it fostered that situation. Wow. I want, that's... A- but... By 1977, this uh, in 19, you also have to remember in in New York City in 1965 and uh, throughout the 50s up to that point, New York had experienced extreme economic success. There was a lot of manufacturing jobs. You know, there there, there wasn't as much crime and there wasn't right. as much need for desperation and crime because there was so much success coming in. Yeah. By 1977, that was all a distant memory. Yeah, and by by the late seventies, specifically seventy seven, there was a huge recession hitting, and it really hit New York hard. Oh damn! Um, and uh, you know, with the dramatic effects of the late seventies recession, unemployment in the city of New York was up to twelve percent by nineteen seventy five. That's wow. By nineteen seventy five, twelve percent. That's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> that's. I mean, that's breadline level. Yeah, <laughs> my goodness, um, this is like a perfect. It was higher than the national unemployment rate at the time. 
Uh, there was increased sense of despair and hopelessness over uh, the situation, which led to increased crime. Uh, white flight occurred a lot. You know, a lot of middle class white people living in the city decided to go to suburbs for oh, yeah. more jobs and stuff, with leaving more desolate areas in the city. Yeah, you know, okay, and leaving less money there as well. Um, and uh, wait, is this, uh, oh yeah, in 1975 as well, New York City itself was on the cusp of bankruptcy. And need a loan from Washington. My goodness. This is like the perfect storm of yeah. everything coming Which together. President Ford at the time said no. <laughs> he was like, oh. You, help yourself. Yeah, help yourself. Yeah. As in go fuck yourself. Yeah. Uh, and then, but after a while, after dire circumstances got even more dour, uh, Washington then agreed to uh, bail the city out if it adhered, though, to certain austerity measures. Uh, such as cutting public services, laying off uh, tens of thousands of workers for the city, including firemen and police officers. So here's the thing. You're in an economic recession. Yeah. There's crimes already rising. You You're letting go police. of firemen and police. Uh, and just to get money to bail out of an already horrible situation bail they didn't even give them enough money i think it was 11 million i think My i'm not goodness. even sure yeah that now don't quote me on that i could be wrong yeah but i think it was a number around that and it's like that's not that wasn't lower. even enough yeah. to get you out of hot water yeah and yet you had to give up all your protections exactly um Anyway, so uh, as a result, the police, firemen, and sanitation workers all went on strike. So all the ones that still kept their jobs went on strike because there was too much of a strain. We yeah, couldn't do it. No. Um, and then further reducing the city's uh, functionality and safety. Wow. Um, and, and this, then this happened before the blackout? Sorry. This happened before the yeah, blackout. Yeah, no, this, ha this is all... This These is events 19, leading no, up to it. No, this is 75 to 77. Oh, wow. Leading up. Yeah. And then... Um, the community and after-school programs were uh, disbanded, leaving no place for kids, specifically poor kids, to go after school or during the day, you know, on the weekends yeah. and stuff. You know, because there were a lot of after-school programs in New York in the 70s and stuff that were put in place to give them something to do, you know, artistically or, uh, you know, to, to express themselves oh, socially yeah. in some way and, you know, not be out on the streets getting into drugs or into gangs or, or, or Just whatever. Just keeping them busy, you know. You know, loitering around, you know. Yeah. Keeping them busy and also, you know, giving them an outlet. Exactly. And, oh, yeah. uh, that was all taken away. So these kids are now loitering in the street with nothing to do and, you know, crime is higher and it's just, it was a perfect clusterfuck yeah. situation. And I just, it was just, you know, Can't believe horrible. they would let it go this far. Yeah. It, well, yeah, no, it's... You know, and then... Yeah, that's true. This shit hits. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, the number of homeless increased uh, exponentially. Tr the, uh, trash, just imagine trash, graffiti everywhere. Yeah. In the streets, uh, piled up in the corners between the buildings and the sidewalk. Um, just And then arson crimes increased. And this is all before the blackout. Um, wow. You know, I mean... That's just... Yeah, it was not good. No, not at all. Um, There's no backside to that paper? Yeah, there is a backside to two pages. <laughs> okay, so, and then this, this blackout happened, and everything got worse. The, there was looting 
straight away pretty much oh yeah i mean they're just breaking into stores and also people from the neighborhoods they were in breaking into stores in their neighborhoods you know and just in this documentary it was crazy there were there was a an image which was particularly insane to me because it was a doorway of a shop and it was at nighttime and there was a light flashing on it and there was just literally literally a flood of people coming out of the doorway the doors weren't even open they were still locked but the glass was broken out people like crawling and hopping out of the store a flood of people like literally four or five oh at my a time. goodness and it in fast succession and it was just like and they all had stuff in their hands and it was just like wow we really are insects yeah so, yeah it's crazy and it, it, it's kind of crazy because it's like it's like they never had to, like they've experienced blackouts before, but with blackouts you don't know how long they're gonna last or how short they're gonna be, and so it's like their initial thing when a blackout is just like let's go like steal things, but it's like lights can come on any time, you know. Yeah. I don't think they knew that it could like stay for twenty four hours. Yeah, for all they knew, it could be up in like within thirty minutes. So that's just like shocking well, that there's like, like this everyone wasn't let's very go. common, and it didn't happen all the time. Like, and I imagine at the time, like it, it didn't, it wasn't like today or something yeah. like that. Like if Facebook goes, like recently when Facebook went down, it yeah. went down for like half the morning, and then it was back up. And I, I don't know how many people killed themselves in the right. meantime, but back then it took a day. Yeah, it took a day or two. Like there, this was not all overnight. Yeah. Um. And, uh, and literally, it wasn't. It wasn't until the next day, late the next day, in a lot of places. Oh, that's when the that loot started. Get their power. Oh, like, got it, got it. Um. Anyway, so there was um looting and arson. Uh, so many fires. I think sixteen hundred or over fires started and burned. And there was also a point where like arson became so common that uh, people uh, people left, not paying landlords who would eventually burn the building down themselves, the landlords. To get insurance? Well, no. Okay, so there were so many arson fires near them. Uh, Residents would leave. Uh, They know that they were being ditched on, so they would just burn the building down themselves and then collect the insurance because it's like, I I have no choice. What else can I do? Because it's like every other building's being burnt down and nobody wants to live here. Like, literally, the building next door got burned down. Oh. I have no other... Like, what am I going to do? Exactly. Um, I mean, it is... It is, like, there shouldn't... Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes you don't have good options sometimes, but, you know? But, but, I mean, given the circumstances yeah. and at that time... You don't have a lot, you don't have a lot of choices. I mean, I really might have done the same. I probably yeah. would have. I, I um, can, yeah. And then, on top of all this... Um, like, let's keep in mind, this is 1977. Let's keep in mind, in New York City, on top of all of this, there was a serial killer on the loose... Son of Sam was still Oh, not oh my god, yet. connection to my Okay, go ahead, keep going. Yeah. Son of Sam was still loose in New York City at this point. So the power has gone out and he is murdering women almost nightly. Yeah. And like literally women in New York City are getting their hair cut because of this motherfucker. I'm just so blown away by how, like, our things are, our, like, topics are going to kind of connect a little bit. This is cool. Yeah. No, but it's, no, but it added a level of terror in yeah. the city, especially in these neighborhoods that were seriously affected, that it's like, oh, shit, like, we, what are we going to do? Oh, hell yeah. Um, and then, um, you know, the, by 10 p.m., the looting had been well underway, and there, uh, the police pretty much at this point because there are so few of them they're yeah. pretty much told do the best you can good luck do what you can good yeah. luck pretty yeah 
Salavi. And then there were shop owners who had guns who would shoot into the air to scare people away. Yeah. But then it just brought out other guns. And <sighs> it just... <laughs> and, and nobody, like I said, there was one murder. So yeah. it, well, there wasn't, like, nobody shot up anybody else that much, but obviously. It, you, you, but it could have went that there was a route. lot of threatening. Yeah. There was a lot of, you're not the only one with a gun, motherfucker. And yeah. it just wasn't, yeah. And, uh, you know... <sighs> And then after that, you know, the police got there and they kind of started arresting people and, you know, and then there was a second wave of looters. And these looters were different from the initial wave because the initial wave were people who were like, oh, our chance, let's go. Yeah. Born criminals. (laughs) The second wave is people who were like, they were waiting upstairs and watched everything from below. Yeah. And when things started to calm down, you know, these people aren't ordinarily, they were like, well, the windows are already broken in. Yeah. There's stuff still there. Yeah. And stuff we that we need, could have. We could use. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And in these neighborhoods where people didn't have much. Yeah. And there wasn't the, the sense of community's gone. Like, what, I mean, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, And also, there was an incident. Okay, so let me read this. Uh, so, Ace Pontiac. This was also in the documentary. Ace Pontiac uh, stored... 50 brand new Pontiacs in a garage in the city. Oh, wow. Now, back then, the fire uh, station re- had a rule required that you have a key in the ignition and $2 worth of gas. Okay. Wow. Needless to say, when the looting started, after a short time, all of those vehicles were fucking gone. Oh, I bet. And I, I put on the back page, in parentheses, fucking stupid. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> seriously anyway um <laughs> oh my gosh i guess they learned <laughs> and then many looters were wounded through violence uh also just through breaking in like yeah they would just breaking the glass, glass windows there was a lot of wounds that way and and people were occupied with that so any other petty crime that was going on uh, yeah uh, it's just you know. so much going on and uh there were increased accidents uh and then medical practitioners were like overworked at the hospitals as well as with influx of people as a result uh store owners you know were you know as i said would shoot into the air you know they try to defend their stores but couldn't or were attacked themselves yeah um and um let me see here Oh, okay, so there were... Okay, so this is all the horrible, like, seedy side of it. And, like, there was looting and arson and building burn... Yeah. Building burnings? Building burnings. Wow. That building fire and... and burning buildings down. A lot of them. <laughs> and a lot of looting and a lot of petty crime and a lot of, you know, breaking down of communities. Because this was basically people stealing from each other. Yeah. In, in the same neighborhood. This isn't like people came from the Upper West Side to, no, down to, to get Queens all this to stuff. <laughs> steal some fucking diapers, you know. And there was a lot of heartbreak in yeah. it, too, because the next day when the morning light came, the power still wasn't on because it... But there was also, you know, in the documentary itself, you know, there were store owners that were interviewed that said, you know, there were people that, you know, were customers of ours for years that we saw running out of our store when yeah. it was broken into. And it's like, what... How could you do this to us? You know, like, oh, yeah. we know you. We, know we you. love you. Yeah. How could you, you know, we let you sleep in our house. Yeah. And it just really said, and it was something that really broke 
the spine of the community. Yeah. Uh, and it was that. very sad. It's easy to turn cynical, um, I feel like. And then there was the other side of the blackout. The the highfalutin, white, rich side. Ah. Up in the restaurant. Up Drinking in the, the champagne. Up in, uh, you know, Central Park West. You know, yeah. like, oh, God, we have to eat by candlelight. <sighs> Oh, you know, I'm so sorry about this, ladies and gentlemen. Everybody gets champagne. Yeah. And it was, for a lot of those people, it was fun. Yeah. It was a fun experience. And people would play songs on the piano and and do sing-alongs. And it was a a retro experience. Yeah. And it was like, oh my God, this never happens. This brings us closer together. Yeah. No, exactly. (laughs) And it just was definitely, it also showed... It exemplified the disparity, the wealth disparity, even at that time. Yeah. And oh, yeah. Uh, it just was an enjoyable, frivolous experience for some and a dire, life-changing, life-altering experience for others where Many others they would never like... be the same after that. Yeah. Their livelihoods were gone. Whether their entire livelihood was robbed and broken into and completely annihilated or burned, burned to the fucking ground. Um, but, yeah. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Oh, and then I wrote a comment here, because I'm a Southerner, uh, look like the burning of Atlanta. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway. Uh, but in New York. <laughs> New location. Uh, blah, blah. And then, yeah, the next day, the, the morning light truly revealed the extent of the damage. Um... And it was just a very, it was a very extreme as well as very sad experience by the time it was all over. Because it, you know, while it was fun for the rich people and the rich people won't be changed drastically afterwards, the people that it truly affected, it affected forever. Yeah. And, you know, it revealed how much there was a lack of community at that time, given the political and economic situation. Yeah. You know. (sighs) And it just sounds like all these different... And like I described in the 65 blackout, you know, everybody banded together. And all the circumstances aligned, Yeah, you know, not just socially, but also economically to where nobody needed to do that, you know. So it's like, let's help each other. Whereas it sounded like in this situation, it was like... We gotta look up for ourselves. I'm doing me and go fuck yourself. Yeah. And that's before anybody has a chance to say anything. Yeah. So... Anyway, so that is the New York City blackout of 1977. Hey, hey, I am, I am sad. Like a great time. I am sad now. Anyway, <laughs> go on. So we're going to go from that topic to legitimately another sad, dark topic. Ooh. Uh, your mystery this week. I so am mystery. Go on with your mystery. And I so be mystified. <laughs> So this is the mystery of corruptcy, and I f- think it's funny that you have the uh, the blackout of New York, and I have uh, something that's from Staten Island. Uh, so this corruptcy legend originated from Staten Island, of course. There was a, in 1972, there was a Willowbrook asylum, I guess, or a state school, if you will. But this is kind of where they just dropped off kids for uh, like mentally ill kids to look after. And it was again, like like I said last week, terrible. Like these uh these living situations were absolutely horrendous. They just kind of stuffed them there. They didn't have really proper clothing. Some kids were naked. Some it was just ah. Oh. So in 1972, Damn, that sounds it. Oh god, you, the footage is so sad. Wait, there's footage. There's footage. 
1972, Geraldo Rivera. He's you, you know you do know. Uh, do you know that man? No. Not like personally, but like he's a newscaster. He's still I mean, like I had lunch with him last week. Oh, cool. How's he doing? <laughs> I mean, I've I had to talk to him. Oh, I see. <laughs> anyway, go on. Well, he did this time. So he did a special on the basically the horde horde conditions of the hospital. He got a tip off, and so that's why he basically recorded all these terrible things happening to these kids, and it's just it's something out of a horror movie. It's something that's worse out of a horror movie because it's just it's rough. Something like something out of American Horror Story. Yeah pretty much and yet you're gonna start season two so remember. yes ladies and gentlemen i understand that i'm extremely late but i have started watching american horror story oh yeah buckle up i've developed a crush on dylan mcdermott i know i'm late <laughs> but it's happening well actually now, so. no a lot of people like evan peters he's the hot he's the hot guy in Wait. season one no people loved him evan peters Who's yes that? uh which one the tate Really? You the Tumblr fangirls loved oh, his dark not even murdering totally Dylan McDermott. Are you fucking kidding Yeah, no, me? but everyone would disagree with you. Like it, I want Dylan McDermott like Evan in Peters. around on all over me. Every girl would disagree with you, I feel like. Oh well girls are fucking Well, <laughs> girls can give me Dylan McDermott then. <laughs> they could have this year. Fuck them. Evan I'll Peters. have it if you don't want them, I'll take them. <laughs> anyway. So um, well, well I mean and I understand I'm late, but you know what? I still have a crush on Rod Serling from The Twilight Zone, so d- d- don't even talk to me. <laughs> anyway, go on. So, uh, basically, that new special led to the hospital closing down. Uh, and so, in, around Staten Island, a lot of, like, urban legends came out about a man named Cropsy, about how he would lurk around the, you know, it's basically a cautionary tale to come home before, you know, come home before dark kind of thing for children and it was just kind of like don't be out long or crops is gonna get you and so it was just kind of like this like light-hearted boogeyman i guess but then light-hearted boogeyman but then children started going missing and light-hearted (laughs) well you know how cautioned like the boogeyman you tell like a spooky story there was no really relation for the boogeyman there's no person that represents just reminding me of that movie darkness falls where the tooth fairy is this like scary bitch yeah actually kills kids it's like that but not supernatural at all and they don't nothing like that okay (laughs) so kind of like that but not at all It's, it's exactly supernatural, except not supernatural. All right, sorry. Uh, go on. So, uh, it was basically again crop, the cropsy big thing. Kids started going missing. Uh, Andre Rand, Rand, I guess is their proper name for him, was an orderly who used to work at Willowbrook, and he was basically this homeless man who still lived around the property of Willowbrook, and he had like little makeshift tents and everything, and so I. Uh, in 1987, an autistic girl named Jennifer went missing, and Rand was a prime suspect because uh, witnesses saw her with him before, like she was the last person they saw him with. But it was only like two witnesses, and any sort of case, eyewitnesses isn't the most like if that's all you have, you really don't have a case. They they need to be some strong eyewitnesses because time and time again, eyewitnesses have been wrong in the past and doesn't really hold up in court. So uh, it wasn't enough to really like hold him. Basically. He, uh, uh, after they, they, uh, did a bunch of sweeps around the location of Willowbrook, and just the sweeps were, like, so interesting, because they would find, like, things still from Willowbrook, which was, like, trays and, like, children's clothes and all this stuff. It was just in the woods. It was just littered in the woods, and you're just like, 
I don't even know if this is like the Willowbrook or if this is like the serial okay, killer. So that's that's I'm sorry, but that's really creepy. It is incredibly is creepy. Children's whatever, especially children's clothes. Yep. But children's whatever the fuck in the like scattered in like black. No. Yeah. No. That that's not okay. I agree. It was not okay. I'm I'm already looking for the mom. What are you doing? <laughs> right. All right. So, uh, Jennifer. I mean, uh, they did extensive searching. It's still nothing. And basically, after it was the weirdest thing because Jennifer's body was found not far from Rand's campsite. But they checked that site in and out. Like she was like face down in the dirt kind of thing, but they they would have seen her because her legs were sticking up apparently when they found her. Wait, like sticking up like up in the air? Like she was buried head first, almost. Like it okay. was, it, you could see legs very visibly and everything. So it was like, you can't miss that. The people that they sent for these extensive ser- searches, how did they miss this? It was almost like, and this was after he was arrested, no doubt. So this is like, how did this body just show up if we already arrested him? And so that was just kind of one of the questions, but they still held them because, again, those eyewitnesses, and it was very important. And how he was, like, there was a picture of him leaving the courthouse to get, like, when he was indicted and everything. He was, like, drooling almost. Like, he was, I don't even know. He was just out of it, and his light was drained from his eyes. They were pretty much dragging him off it, and he was, like, almost like he was drugged. But he was, I mean, he wasn't drugged or anything. It was him, but something was very wrong. So, uh, after, uh... They basically couldn't hold him for murder, but they got him for kidnapping for 25 years. So they okay. they charged him for kidnapping, but they couldn't get the murder charge to stick. Okay. Uh, after after Jennifer, police started looking to uh, past missing children cases of Staten Island. There was a good amount. I mean, I guess I guess total about like don't take your family to Staten Island, right? And most of the children had learning disabilities, and this will come in key a little bit later down the road. Okay, so you can go to Staten Island, but if Not you... If, if you have a learning disability, don't. If you have a child run. that has a learning disability, or if you have a learning disability... Yes. Book it. Bo- book somewhere else. <laughs> you have all the world to explore. Yeah. <laughs> don't go to Staten Island. Why Staten Island? I know, I mean, right? out of all places in New York, I mean, what are you doing anyway? <laughs> <laughs> all right but uh so in uh 1981 a seven-year-old girl named holly went missing in july and it was a, it was a cold case in the past because they you know, of course jennifer came like, first and everything so then they started looking into this girl named holly and it, they never found her but they started looking into rand and all the evidence was circumstantial but the da was still believed they had enough on rand and this was one of those things where there was about seven missing children's cases around staten island around the same time so it was like damn that is a lot yes and so it was almost like people kind of said that the da was like part of it is like you just need someone to get this to stick you need someone to kind of like put people think that there's still people out there who think rand's like innocent and I don't believe that. I think he's very guilty. But I do believe there's a lot more extensive things that we don't understand, or like we don't we don't know, and we'll never know. But uh, so basically, all the all the evidence was circumstantial, but they were holding him. They wanted the Holly case to also stick. Uh, Rand's aunt lived on the same floor as Holly. He went to visit her on the same day Holly went missing. So there was that. He was the location again. He was around, you know, that child again. And it was weird. Like, all these missing children's cases, Rand had a weird connection with one of them. Like, any of them. Like, one of them was a... One of them, like, worked at a school and he was a janitor or something. And it was just, like... It was so crazy. And then... uh, Or one was getting soap and Rand's car was parked in the middle, like, next to that store. 
and you see a picture of that 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 day someone was taking a picture for some reason and uh you see Rand's car parked next to that corner store where that girl went missing and it was just kind of like this is odd but uh mm. so again total about seven missing children's were looked into by a police and everything and then i'm sorry uh, did you just say seven missing missing children's I don't know. Maybe I did. You, yeah, you did. Oh. That was hilarious. <laughs> there were seven missing childrens. Well, you're not laughing. Did you? <laughs> well, because it wasn't truly hilarious. I'm just saying that. To oh, be nice. to be mean. Got it's, it. Uh, cheering. <laughs> or seven missing children. 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 <laughs> anyway, so there were seven missing children. Yes. Uh, or children's plural. Come on. Uh, <laughs> okay, and so there was talk about how other people were involved to help Rand or framed Rand. Where uh, and this is kind of spooky too. Where Rand was located, it was like a hub for a bunch of other like homeless people, I guess if you will. Uh, and also okay. Satanist. Oh, all right. So this now this goes I down mean, the rabbit hole creepy. a little bit. This goes down that rabbit hole a little bit. But I'm gonna go into a little bit of. Uh, just the regular homeless people. There's a, I guess, a hypothesis, I guess, that Rand wasn't working alone. He was working with other people. He would, uh, it was said that there was these tunnels that ran under the uh, old abandoned, like, as- asylum slash school. And that's where a lot of the homeless people would gather to, like, stay and live, almost. And so there, this documentary I watched went down there. It's called The Cropsey. It's on Hulu. It's fantastic. Uh, they went down there, and they searched these tunnels, and it, like the tunnels are kind of, like, cleaned out. You can tell some people are living there. There's, like, flowers. There's clothes. And you don't know how many people are living down there. So it's like... but it's like that, the catacombs. It really is. It's almost, That's what kind of reminded me of. And so it's kind of like... Rand... It, it was, like... It was tossed around by the detectives that maybe Rand was, you know taking these kids and you know bringing them down there and like passing these kids along it's morbid but something similar could happen yeah. like that you know no i mean that's definitely i mean out of everything else that's happened right i mean it's possible so uh again they never really found any sort of real or like uh thing i guess they never found any sort of homeless person that would was like an accomplice or anything so or we talk about or could talk about yeah i gotcha okay. and then so uh some people believe that uh, Rand, or another pe- another theory was that he was into Satan worshiping, and this was around the time of Son of Sam and everything that you mentioned previously. That's why I thought it was pretty cool. Oh wow! So okay. that th- they're thinking that Rand may have led a cult because it was one of the, like a cult of almost like homeless people, I guess if you will. Gotcha. <laughs> and this goes a little bit. Uh, but I don't really my believe thing, it. My thing. I'm sorry. I'm gonna stop you right there. I'm really sorry to stop you, but like. My thing is, like, if that were true, then you would have found somebody. I agree. No, that's why I agree. But this, oh, okay. the, again, gotcha. I, right. like I said before, I don't agree with this theory, but this was a popular it theory that one. was gotcha. passed around. All I think right. it's something Sorry. that is important to Go bring on, up. Then. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, <laughs> this is so ridiculous because a woman kind of wrote a letter to Jennifer's family stating that uh, that Rand was doing all this Satan stuff, and that's the only reason this took off at all but it was one of those things where it's like "Mm, probably not and so and but rand himself was like who he was as a person was interesting i guess if you will he would always he always had a history of like offering to talk to police and being like yeah i have information and everything like or i can help you guys out and when the police showed up he declined to make statements and so this documentary crew they were talking to him pretty uh consistently writing letters back and forth and uh they wanted to have an interview with him. They were like, come on. He's like, yeah, I can, I can interview you. I have all this information. 
they showed up didn't want to talk to him <laughs> and so it's like this dude's like almost toying with people he was almost manipulative i mean sounds like it his sister I mean, even everything though, you just said yeah <laughs> his, his sister came forward they, they ended up interviewing her like in the parking lot and, uh, in a park okay. yeah i think they just kind of caught her off like a time or gotcha. whatever and then she was all she like she can't even agree to something she was like yeah like, hey sure. bitch my brother's a fucking <laughs> lunatic come here yeah <laughs> and uh so they uh basically the sister was saying like he was never he, I, I don't know i really don't know she, their mother had emotional issues the father left the mother was like locked locked away for some time too for some emotional issues uh but Rand was never abused. That's what she stated. That like they still had a pretty normal childhood, other I mean, than that stuff. But also, what 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 is considered abused by those standards back then? Yeah, very true. And on top of that, like you could like it sounded like outside of direct abuse, they still had a pretty fucking shitty. Oh end. yeah, it was a it was a so, you know. I but I don't I don't want to make excuses for the guy to be honest. No, no, definitely not. So it's It's like like, one of those things where I'm like, like either way, excuses for Ed Gein. Ed Gein's experience in life was horrible, but at the same time, he still did what he did. Exactly. Anyway, but Uh, no. So so and uh, he kept like writing the docu crew after he turned down. He's like, you haven't like, and his letters became more and more bizarre as time went on. And it was the funny. I mean, it wasn't funny. It was just got weird. And so. then you talk to a pastor who, you know, talked with Rand and talked to Rand and had all these, like, uh, you know, questions before Rand got locked up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically, Rand was saying that uh, the pre- the priest thought, honest to God, that he was possessed. Like, this is how crazy, like, this like, crazy whole thing was. Like, this is, like, story has a Satan worshiping. There's, like, a sex child ring. There's, like, demonic possession. That's why I was just, like... <laughs> But the pastor thought he was possessed because there was a time where they were sitting down talking to each other one-on-one, and Rand had what I can assume was a moment of playing someone, where his eyes rolled in the back of his head, he started kind of, like, shaking a little bit, trembling. He was playing the pastor, it seems like. But uh, he also was stating that people with these disabilities should not you know should not be living and they're they're burdened to their families they're burdened to their uh you know their life i mean they're they're burdened to the world and they need to be rid of that was his statement to the pastor and so it's a very christian (laughs) and so that was basically like all like it was like you know what fuck this this dude's like whacked out something's definitely wrong yeah and it what it gets me is like this man lived like a pretty not a normal life at all, but he's lived out in these different facilities, and you're just like, how many people? Like, have you, like, not, you know, not murdered, but assaulted, raped, so, any sort of a thing? Because it was like, he's worked in these, this, you know, this crazy uh, institution that wasn't run properly at all. And he would he worked at a school before too, and it's just like this predator has been around forever, and it's just like the, the amount of victims he, he has is probably, we'll never know. Or the um, amount of people he's, uh, it's it's terrible. But um, uh, so basically, Holly's uh, Holly's trial was the main thing about this documentary that I was watching. It was the because he was gonna get released on parole soon if Holly didn't this Holly case didn't stick. Luckily, he was found guilty and put twenty five years uh, 
and will die in prison if he doesn't make it to 2037, which I think he'll be like 96 or something. But even to this day, he still maintains his innocence. There's still people out there who think that he's innocent. They, oh, really? There really is, yeah. Because wow. the, the eyewitness testimony, they would show it like the guy who... Uh, was at the store when this little girl bought soap one of the missing children uh-huh. and he was and one of uh, the eyewitnesses was stating like yeah i saw a little girl in the shop and then the dude's like i didn't see any little girl in the shop that was this the eyewitness he was like the eyewitness came forward and like bought the soap and left like i don't i didn't see any little girl and so it's like stuff like that mm, and that's why some people gotcha. don't believe that All right so again it's probably what and my money if i if i can bet money i would think that it was probably they work together on something like it wasn't he, yeah. this wasn't a solo job i Sounds do believe like it's very possible yeah like that could have been i do believe like rand yeah. did stuff and even today like there's like i mean i don't know about today because the documentary was like early 2000s but uh <laughs> in the early 2000s like we see these like they they went to go like search like this abandoned like uh building near the thing and that had like and it was said to have a bunch of satan worshiping going on and like uh-huh. the graffiti was ter- oh god it did look like a like some worshiping went down that's for sure and so they were like walking around and there this lady was like i don't want to be here right now she's like i genuinely want to leave she's like this is mm-hmm. so unsettling and then they like they're like i literally hear people in the woods like i want to go and then these like group of kids came out and everything it's like yeah they're little dudgeon necropsy and everything and even like in like the early 2000s that's like still a thing uh-huh. and how this like devil like satan worshiping was like a yeah. thing yeah <laughs> okay so you made me remember something i got a story for you now that i'm just going to tell on the podcast just because it's creeped me out and it involved me a little bit okay so when i was still with my ex uh we're gonna call him jay oh let's not well okay not oh i'm sorry that's That's true your name is jay let's not do that i meant jay the letter not j-a-y like you but okay okay let's call him (laughs) k let's <laughs> Let's go down the line. Speakins with okay. <laughs> um, let's call him douche. Uh, douche. Okay. So, um, your little squeaker. <laughs> I did. I heard that. I hope that, that is got, definitely. I hope that good. Okay. So this story. So you're telling me about. Okay. So I moved into an apartment a couple years ago with uh, douche. Got it. And we were starting the end of our relationship together. Aw. The best time of any relationship. Oh, right? (laughs) Um, And we were, like, slowly putting things together and everything. And he told me the story about how, like, you know, he remembered... Because he went to a high school in Spokane Valley that was pretty much, you know... And we drove by it every day, so I know which one he was talking about. A school that was right next door to the property. And the properties surrounding the high school, when he went to high school, because we were in our mid-20s when we were together, um, you know, there was still Spokane Valley, but, you know, it was kind of bare. You know, there was just trees and stuff. You know, it it wasn't as developed as it is now, you know, 10, 15 years later. And, you know, the, the apartments we lived in were you know uh, built recently within that time period well before when he was in high school before any of this was developed there were some abandoned houses uh where our apartment then stood oh god afterwards and he said oh there was this green and white house it was a green house with white trim it's a two-story house and it looked like it was built in like turn of the century 1920s maybe really old 
but not even that it's not even like the age of the house even though it was like an old neo-victorian or whatever the fuck you want to call it yeah and uh but he said oh i remember sneaking in there when i was a teenager with some friends and we went upstairs with flashlights and upstairs in one of the upstairs bedrooms there was very clear satanic symbols um you know there was red smears that Aww. we assumed were either paint or animal blood yeah looking back it could have been anything yeah. but at the time we were like oh that's as bad as it could be you know and it was just a really horrific scene there was like feces in the corner oh dried feces you know and uh bones like animal bones and it just it was everything was arranged it was just very dark Could and you imagine scary. walking into that situation and, and like, oh, they shit. yeah they like ran out of there and everything but he said that literally where our apartment complex where Stan- our apartment stood. building stood was where that house once was along with the rest oh. of the houses in that neighborhood see that's that file that shit under stuff not to tell me and like, at all. it's like and my thing was is like wait a minute are you telling me that our apartment building is literally where that house was? And he willingly like, moved into it. And I, I'm like, no. And I said, and he's, he was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. If not in this general vicinity, for sure. Because it was near that road, which was there the whole time. And I'm like, okay. And you said <laughs> that that room was on the second floor. Okay. We are in the second oh, floor no. apartment. <laughs> Now, I'm not saying that I believe in anything or don't. I don't want to. I don't want to try anything though. I'm not. I don't want to fuck with anything. Yeah, here's the thing though. If anybody breaks a Ouija Ouija board out at a party, I'm gonna tell you to throw it the fuck out of my house. Fun fact: I had a Ouija board before Ian moved in. uh, You did, and we threw it out when we moved. But you lived with it for a good while, begrudgingly. Um, here's the thing. Whether I believe in it or not, I'm still not going to fuck You don't want to, exactly, because okay? you don't know what's out there. <laughs> and the people are like, oh, I don't believe in anything, you know, because I'm saying this because I have a Ouija board, but people are like, I don't believe in anything, because it's like, but like, how dense do you have to be? Because we don't know any, like, everything there is to know. Yeah. You have to be dense to believe that there's nothing out there at all that can hurt well, also you. also, my thing is, it's like, how, why are you tempting fate? Why, yes. Why? Why are why? you doing that? Then I'm like, if you believe Stop that, it. cool, then Stop don't even it. give it a try. Stop. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> white people yeah no my thing but just like i heard that and i was all like i'm really glad we're breaking up in the next three months and breaking this lease <laughs> it's gonna fuck my credit but i don't have to live with demons <laughs> in more ways than one literally <laughs> anyway so no you just reminded me of yeah that no story that's a good I'm story like, oh, damn i can't believe fuck. you lived in a satanic apartment i mean satanic <laughs> apartment sorry oh, god you're not kidding <laughs> Um, so yeah, so yeah, no, that's, you just reminded me of that. So anyway, so what was the rest of your story? That's pretty much it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, that's creepy. That's yeah. crazy too. Oh yeah. I mean, so and we'll never really get to know. We'll never get to know many or, how many or like what happened. Cause it's like, and it's over the map too. To these, the extent, these kids of Staten damn. Island are all kind of over the place, but in some ways <sighs> Randall was connected to all like. I mean, Randall. Rand. It was kind of connected to most Randall! Of them, but it's like, what about these guys on the bottom? And, like, it's just, it's fun. It's just interesting. Wait, what about the bottoms? What? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Wait, what, huh? Talk about dead children here. Oh, shit. <laughs> God damn it. Never mind. Uh, but, yeah, that's the end of my mystery for the week. You never really will kiss. Mm-hmm. We'll never know. And, yeah. Mm-hmm.
Mm-hmm. Okay, so I recently had a date with a guy, and he complained about how most of the guys in this town are bottoms, and I was all like, I'm not complaining about bottoms. <laughs> anyway, and he was like, I bet you aren't. Shut up. Was this the one that I burned my hand with, and you guys had to come get me? No. Oh. another one. No- oh. All right. All right. Let's not. I okay. need a detective anyway. board with a bunch of yarn connecting these pictures together. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Just kidding. Jay. All right. Well, that was a fascinating mystery. Intriguing <laughs> history for me. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> all, all right. right well i mean i um episode number number whatever whatever yeah we'll talk to you next week next week all right thanks for listening <laughs> bye guys bye